Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Hello and welcome to the opening kickoff podcast. Boy, do we have a good one for you tonight. we got a great guest. Week one of the NFL is in the books. We're through two weeks of college football. Not to mention there's a hurricane coming, but that's not the good part. But it's not going to bother us. I'm your host, Dave Stoudmuddle, joined as always by my three great co-hosts. Seated to my right, co-host number one tonight, Mr. David Miles. David, how are you? I'm enjoying Dan grinning, grinning in pain <laughs> as I get recognized as close one. I'm actually doing great today, though. You know, it's the end of the day, winding down, doing what I doing what I love with my guys. <laughs> Let's get to our second co-host who just knocked over the remote. Dan Williams. Dan. You know, I'm going to stop directing my anger and hatred about the co-host situation at David. I'm going to direct it at you. <laughs> because you enjoy making it a contest to see who's number one. I don't, that, you want a contest. It's called a tease. It's called a tease. Let's get to Todd Michelson, our third co-host. Todd, you don't have any issue being... No, I'm just... Dave, I'm chilling. It's football season. What could be better? Just a, a full weekend of college football, NFL. The Ravens won by 44 points. Life couldn't be better. We'll talk about that and a lot more, but let's get to our great guest that we have. He's a friend of the show. He's been on the radio show a couple times. Coach Gary Stewart, who coaches the men's basketball team here at Stevenson. Coach, how are you doing tonight? Depressed. Yep. <laughs> Tough start here to the uh, season. Um, I- Trojans uh, managed to get a field goal uh, against the Stanford Cardinal, and, and last night uh, played like the Orioles. <laughs> so, uh, could be worse. You could be the UCLA Bruins, who are look. We're getting personal. They early. played what I think is a Heisman candidate runner-up in Kyler Murray. I, he- think, I think he is gifted enough, and he will put Oklahoma in good enough spots this season to put himself in that conversation come December. What's your answer for what happened week one against Cincinnati? Uh, Chip Kelly's playing about 19 freshmen, so it's kind of hard to win college football games with a lot of freshmen who are just undersized. So, Thank Dave, you. we're going to have a new segment. It's called Dan's Excuse of the Week. <laughs> UCLA football. Let's hope it will lose to Fresno State. If you lose a fr- if they lose to Fresno State, how, how pissed are you going to be next week? If they lose to Fresno State, I will ask Coach Stewart for a USC shirt to wear next next next. Oh show. wow! Okay, fight on. I like that. All right. We have it on record. We have it on record. Yeah, so you're, I'm for it. Now, oh, now I'm rooting oh. for Fresno State. On <laughs> <laughs> Fresno State. I don't want this to happen. Can Derek Carr come back and play quarterback? <laughs> well, actually, I don't. I don't know if I would want that. Uh, yeah, we'll get besides to that. the point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we want to talk with Coach Stewart about a couple of things. First off. How's the Stevenson basketball team getting prepped for the season, of course? How's prep going, Coach? Well, for me, it's going well. Uh, yeah, I haven't uh, had a chance to uh, be around the guys a lot. Uh, the rules don't allow us in the weight room or on the court right now. So, um, uh, all in all, a lot of paperwork and and uh, enthusiasm. Uh, 
for uh, for next month. Obviously, you only lose one senior from last season, Denzel, right? How do you transform this team and build the culture up to where these young guys can step up and prepare and play well this upcoming season? Well, Dan, I think that's that's the critical piece. Um, I think in coaching, um, you think you can sometimes walk out the front door and go recruit somebody and instantaneously elevate your program. But uh, we've got a bunch of guys in our program that, that have to step up, and, and, and I think they will. Um, I'm confident that – uh, the transition from uh, a freshman year to a sophomore year, uh, Evan Joseph, uh, Cam Harris, um, um, or um, guys like um, Kyle Woolridge, who started for two years and, and will be a junior this year. Um, those guys have got to got to improve, and I'm, I'm confident that they have, and, and, and we'll show that this season. As you, like we said, you have a, a large amount of your team coming back. What's that game that you guys have marked on your calendars as? This is the game. This is our statement game. This is, you know, where we're, where I guess you say we're gonna make, yeah, make our statement. Well, I, I know it's coach speak, but uh, we're really one game at a time, and, and the fixation has to be on the first opponent. Um, obviously, getting in the conference, um, a lot of teams get your attention. Um, you, you have to always start with the defending champions and, and uh, Lebanon Valley, and and, uh, and we see them early. Um, in the season in, in uh, November. So um, we've got to be prepared. Uh, we've got a, a difficult matchup against Scranton, who's historically been a very good mid-Atlantic region uh, team and uh, well-coached. And, and so we'll have our hands full uh, in the opener, and, and uh, we'll learn a lot about ourselves. All right, so you have a very extensive background, as some people may know, may not know. you got a lot of famous friends there, Coach. And one of them that you do know very well is Greg Popovich. And I was thinking about it when this whole Kawhi Leonard situation was going on with San Antonio before, of course, he gets traded to Toronto. What were your thoughts about that whole situation there with the Spurs and with Kawhi? I think it was very much like a um, – you have two friends, and you know both of them. Um, I know Kawhi. I've known Kawhi since uh, his high school days, and and um, yet you don't have all the information, but you see this uh, relationship take a, a left turn, and and so you're trying to figure out why, just like everybody else, and, and without uh, talking to Kawhi about it or Pop, um, um, you, I kept thinking it was going to get worked out, and uh, then. Um, uh, as it moved towards uh, June and, and and after the season, um, it appeared that uh, it was uh, irreconcilable differences and uh, irreconcilable, excuse me, differences and and uh, which is unfortunate. Um, you know, two talented individuals and, and two um, championship attitude guys, and and it's unfortunate that it came to that. You talked about some guys on the team, Cam Harris, Kyle Woolridge. I want to know personally, what do you expect from the big man himself, Mark Terrell? I've been been friends with Mark since he got here. We played baseball on the best baseball team together in 2017. Have seen him progress on both baseball and basketball. What do you expect from him going into his junior year? Uh, Dan, that's that's an excellent question. But before I answer that, I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge your mom prior to answering that question. I had a chance to visit with her. Uh, at Bridgewater, one of my all-time favorites, and I know she's a she's a uh, season 
ticket holder to the show. Yes, uh, yes. And have a listener. And, and so I got to make sure that, um, as you all know, I follow the, the Mustang yes, both sir. home and road and uh, home and, and away. And I don't want to get myself in trouble with her <laughs> and have to uh, listen to uh, the, the radio uh, in the parking lot <laughs> of the game. So, so I wanted to, wanted to say hello to her. But uh, Mark is. Um, uh, really progressing. He's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about this season. Um, he's got himself in the best condition, uh, really, um, of his life. Uh, going back to high school, um, you, know, you saw the talent, you saw the hands. Um, he's got excellent feet. Um, he can score on all three levels. Um, but uh, his, his conditioning didn't allow him to play for long periods of time. Um, I, I don't anticipate that being an issue. Um, he's, he's quicker, he's stronger, um, and I think that will be evident in the way he plays. You, you see a guy who's 6'9", 285, and you wonder how is he going to transition from high school to the, to the college game. Sheesh. And I think for Mark, the, one of the big things you saw, I think, in his sophomore year was that he was getting more comfortable inside the paint and being a bigger bruising body. He can shoot as well, but you'd like to see him be able to get down there and take over down, down the paint. And I think I'm excited to see what I uh, what I believe will be Mark's best year, his junior year. So. Yeah, we had a, a good conversation the other day, um, and, and his role obviously will evolve. But um, he's he's so capable of facing the basket and extending um, uh, the defense because he has the potential to knock down three point shots. Um, but having said that, we need him to anchor down low and and be a presence down there. Um, there will be a lot of nights that uh, one person will have their handful guarding him, and he uh, potentially could command a, a double team or, or uh, warrant some special attention down low, and that will allow uh, for other players to play in space and uh, give us an opportunity to be um, uh, diversified in the way we play. You talk about your resume, and you know a lot of big-name coaches, and I'm not sure if our listeners know this, but I remember I did an article on the team, and I did a little bit of background background. Uh, on you, and you talked about how you had took uh, basketball overseas with a couple other coaches, and I just wanted to know. Well, I wanted, yeah, I wanted to know if you uh, had talked to any of those people who were part of that ever since, like recently, within the last year or so. Yeah, ironically, um, I'm on the uh, NABC Board of Directors, National Basketball uh, Coach Association uh, board, and, and we had a meeting in August, and uh, a few of those guys are are on the board as well, and. Uh, it looks like um, there's a reunion tour in the making, and, and I was asked uh, uh, my interest in going uh, again. And uh, um, I'm confident that that's going to take shape and, and looking forward to uh, getting the band back together and, uh, and going overseas and, and uh, uh, meeting with the troops again. Would you mind name dropping or, <laughs> or is that confidential? Um, well, I'm not sure all of those guys have committed yet uh, or even been asked. I think it, I caught um, uh, Jeff Jones, the head coach at uh, uh, Old Dominion. He um, uh, has been asked to organize it, and I think that ask was the day before I saw him. Um, so I, I'm not sure he's got all those invitations out and or has had corresponding conversations uh, with the individuals that um, um, he needs to reach out to. Uh, but as it as it uh, formulates and gets closer to um, uh, fruition, I'll, I'll keep you posted on that. <laughs> so we, David mentions, and I mentioned, and Dan, we've all mentioned. You've got, you've met a lot of really cool people. What is <clears throat> your favorite 
person interact famous person interaction you've ever had uh that's an interesting question uh, uh probably uh just because i had a, such a long relationship with john wooden you know i met him when i was a kid and uh, and he is um kind of an interesting story about about uh, coach wooden um i had gone to several of his basketball camps as a as a high school player and, and um, so moving forward i'm in college and wanted to coach and so in the summer had an opportunity to work his camp as a counselor and, and uh, the way that it worked at the time that if you're the youngest guy in the room um, you uh, would have to do what was asked of you and so uh, the first night they said somebody needs to take Coach Wooden home, and, and the coaches all wanted to, to go out, so they pointed at me and said, that's your job. And so, um, so sure enough, I, I pick him up to take him home for the night, and we get in the car and start the car, you know, I'm 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and I got a legend in the car, and I'm shaking, and I'm a college guy, and uh, you know, got nine or ten national championships at that time in my automobile you know i'm going about about 10 miles an hour in a 35 mile hour zone and uh, so I, I i reached my hand out to him and i said you know coach Whitnam, um gary stewart and uh prior um to meeting him uh, that night um i had mentioned that i'd gone to several of his camps as a, as a youth and um and I could do uh, what we did in the morning with Braille. You know, it was just, you know, you dribble to the free throw line, you jump stop, you threw a chest pass, you sprint back to the line. And then, you know, next time it was a left-hand dribble when you got to the front, jump stop, pivot. But, so I decided this one time I wasn't going to do it. And there's 300 people in the, the gymnasium. And so I went between my legs all the way up to the front, turned, uh, pivot, and threw a, a wraparound pass. Back to the end of the line, I sprinted back to the, end of the line, and so I got back to the, end of the line, and he is pointing at me. He was on a volleyball stand in the middle of the gym, and he points at me. He's got a microphone. He goes, "Young man, come here." So I'm looking around, thinking, "Couldn't be me," you know. And yeah, sure enough, he wants me. So I, I sprint up to the podium, and I look up, and you know, it's like God up on the podium, <laughs> and I'm looking up to him, and and he is is pontificating about the the virtues of basketball and discipline and doing what's asked of you to the best of your abilities and admonish me. And, and what was ironic about it, you know, he never got out of character. You know, it wasn't uh, a boisterous response to me. It wasn't like he was angry, but he got his point across. And uh, so fast forward, now I'm in his car, introduce myself. And uh, he goes, well, I certainly hope uh, you don't, get undisciplined and go between your legs and throw a wrap around pass like you did in camp. And I almost drove the car off the road. I was like, why would this guy remember that <laughs> of all the things in life? And how does he know it was me? And, and, but n no one told him that story. Like your, your driver's going to be the guy that right. did this, you know, kind of thing. And so that's how the relationship started. And, and from that point on, um, I spent many, a, many a night in Thousand Oaks at his house and, and um, he was an unbelievable um, uh, personality. I mean, you didn't see that, um, kind of a, always a, a teacher, um, but he loved and needed you, loved uh, to uh, make fun of you in, in, his, in, his, in his way. And so um, missing a lot, think about him a lot. And, 
and uh, we had a lot of nights talking about baseball. He loved baseball. And uh, there were nights with uh, uh, Sparky Anderson at the time was with the uh, – or finished up with the Detroit Tigers, the old Cincinnati Reds manager, uh, lived in the neighborhood. So the three of us would uh, – and Sparky always wanted to talk basketball. And, and Coach Wooden always wanted to talk baseball. So it was one that would ask a question about the other sport, you know, kind of thing. And, and I, I was like ping pong, you know, I'd look one way and then look the other way. And, and, uh, and then every once in a while, I said, what do you think? You know, kind, of that. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. So that was, uh, that was the one person that's made the most profound impact. It, it is a, of note. I think the question that's been put off, I think, for three years now. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. That yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's time. As we transition into football. Who are your top 15 receivers in the Oh, that question. Because I can't see Dan on campus and in our interaction together. I can't see him without thinking about Mr. Landry. <laughs> right, right. So, so when I see him, it's almost like a, when you think about a quarterback and a receiver, you know, it, it's one of those. Type of deal. You know, it's like Montana and Rice. You know, it's right. like I think about Dan and I think about Mr. Landry, so <laughs> top twenty wide receiver. So real fast, let's give some background for Todd and for, for the listeners that don't. We had coach. This was the second time this we had our him. sophomore year. Yes, so our sophomore year. year. Mm-hmm. Second time we have him on the show, and we got into an NFL discussion. Kev, Kev was there too. Yeah, Kev was there, which probably we should have known was going to cause something to happen. And we got on the topic of Jarvis Landry, whether he was a top. 20, I think, at the time? Or it was, we were, all right, so what everyone else, what everyone was saying was that the top five receivers in the league were A.B., Landry, Odell Beckham, Julio, and the, and the fifth, I can't remember. Well, let's, I remember, I wasn't saying Jarvis Landry was that high, but that's beside the point. But the conversation turned on Coach Stewart, who said that Jarvis Landry was not a top 15 receiver, and Kev uttered the, uh, the phrase, Who's the top 15? And we spent, what, a half an hour talking about it? It was at least a half to 45. The best part was looking at the people's faces because it it turned into a full-blown argument. And and this is when we were were live on WSR, so you had people in Rockland listening, people in the hall listening, and then you had the people who were, you know, at home listening. It was it was it was just it was a great it was a it was a top five moment of of the show. Yeah, and here's the, the, here's the problem I have now. Here's the problem I have. Okay, so I've been thinking a lot about this. Okay, <laughs> so now I, I said myself, I, I I got him, I got it. Right. So if he's a top fifteen receiver, you don't trade top fifteen guys at their position that young. But and then I? the Raiders trade Khalil. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've really worked on that. I really thought about that. John, John Gruden wasn't listening. Right, not at all. No, right. no. Doesn't he know what the show was on? Who educated him on something? Uh, oh man, it's John Gruden on the show now. Jeez, can you work on that, Dad? Wow. Hey, Dan, you got the pull in the other. Yeah, that's right. You got the connection. So. so I know we're going to touch base on this, and we'll get back to that with the wide receivers and everything. But but this deal with with Matt. So. So he gets traded, and, and so depression sets in. And then you start to work your way through it, and we're going to be okay. And so I started to look at the top um, 20 most paid players in the league. And uh, you had to get to uh, Eli and, and uh, Beck to, to have the top 
two guys that, that, that and they were two of the top 20. Uh, and but no one had two of the top 10. So I started to justify it. You know, there's no way 25% of our cap was going to be tied into two players. You, you can't you can't do this. So I started feeling better about it. And it's like seeing an old girlfriend that you've never gotten over. And so when she's out of your mind, you're thinking you're okay. You can still drink water. You can still sleep. Right, you can still take a step. You think, okay, you know, life. I'm, I'm going to be a fine. I'm going to be fine. But then you see your car. A song comes on that reminds you. You know, somebody is wearing her favorite color, so and you snap right back. Around. Yeah, yeah, you snap right back. So got you know, in the background. Right. So, and, and this is this is what what's that? See, I'm I'm an old guy. I'm a dinosaur. I re- recognize that. In the olden days, you just get in your car and you drive to your destination. Now, you've got this stuff called talk radio. Right? <laughs> and so now, I'm reminded constantly about Khalil Mack. So I said, well, I'm not going to listen to talk radio, right? I mean, that solves that, right? But then, football starts. And now, we're not playing. The Raiders aren't playing Sunday. So I'm going to see a little bit of football, right? Get my fill of football. Well, I'm okay. Until Sunday game, I can't watch. I can't watch the Sunday night game, right? Right. But I gotta take a peek, and and I've already justified it. You know, okay, I don't care how good he is. He's out of shape. You know, he hasn't hasn't been at at camp. Uh, And uh, so anyway, I I don't want to belabor the point, but really, really tough seventy-two hours. Really, really tough seventy-two hours. I can imagine. I, I I. I think Coach, what, what, what me, philosophers would say, Coach was going through the five stages of grief. So <laughs> with denial, right. some anger, then some bargaining, depression. Now you're, I would say but you're in acceptance damn, now. Damn, now. Now look at this. So I turn, <laughs> I turn the Ravens game on, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Suggs gets a sack. He says, yep. Okay. Okay, I'm perfectly fine. I'm still fine. Okay, but they tell his age. So now I start to add up Max age and his age and the difference and I start to say well this guy actually could be terrorizing me for, for and then I start to think it's 2018 right now he's got another 12 years it's 2003 this is not good this is not good but if you know anything about the Raiders you know that this is going to happen we're going to acquire the guy in 2034 <laughs> Right. When he's when he's past yeah. his prime. Yeah, 2034, so we'll pick him up, and everything will be forgotten, and he'll be absolutely fantastic in his 48th year of life, okay? <laughs> and our team will be really bad, and then we'll think, well, gosh, you know what? He got six sacks when he was 45 years old. If we would have had him all those years, maybe we would have. And that's how, how it's been being a, being a Raider guy. You know what I'm saying? Just got over Woodson. Right. Just gonna work it. And now i got to relive this again into 2030. So I actually want to ask you, what was your thoughts about John Gruden's hiring at the, at the time? Now, of course, we're a game in. I, I love it. Love it uh, when it happened. I love it now. I'm, I'm a big Gruden fan. Um, uh, Gruden as a general manager, not so much. So let's open that floor because we haven't had a chance to talk about the Colonial Mac trade much because we did our preview show last week. 
looking at it now, what are our thoughts about the trade? Uh, (laughs) It's that bad. It leaves everyone speechless. It's one of the things where I don't understand it from the outside view. So I'm assuming there's something from the inside that we don't know that they won't release to happen. Like I said before, like I don't, I can't see a reason why you would trade your arguably your top player and one of the top players in the league at his position. Like you said, like you can't rationalize that. Like so, there has to be something that we don't know because I can't think of anything. Like maybe he wanted more money, yeah, but then he deserves it because he's a top in his position. Like it's, it's something where it's like I don't know. I, I think it's a bad move. But they got, what, three first-round picks out of it? Or two first-round picks? Two, two for two. So, I mean, you got the equivalent of somewhat most of what he's worth. They also Four? sent a pick, I believe. Second. Second round. Yeah. And that, and I think that's the biggest thing with this trade is it's really hard at times to rationalize. Like, okay, you, you gave up Khalil Mack, but you got two first-round picks back. I mean, but then you traded a second round. To, to be honest, so, it's a major win for the Bears because now you have someone who, as we saw, puts pressure on one of the top quarterbacks in the league that terrorizes your division. And as we saw, that is a major difference. People forget who they they drafted Roquan Smith. Yeah, well, that. speaking of which, everyone's praising the Aaron Rodgers performance, which, by the way, give them all the credit in the world it's fantastic. For, for that comeback. But let's be totally honest. If Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith had a full training camp, the Packers aren't coming back in that game because that offensive line was getting whipped. Yes. I mean, the right tackle was yes. spinning like a top at the offensive line as Khalil Mack was going around him. But in the second half, Mack wore out. Roquan Smith wore out. Guess what? Aaron Rodgers had time in the pocket. Aaron Rodgers wasn't getting hit. Guess what? Aaron Rodgers was finding out the Bears secondary is still good, not great. It's not not as solid as it is. He's still better than them. That's what you've got to say that. (laughs) Which should not be surprising. No. It's the Aaron Rodgers effect. I mean, he knew that he couldn't leave the pocket, so he didn't leave the pocket, and he was still delivering strikes all over the field. Next time they play, December 16th, back half of the season, I foresee a much different turn of events going on. And I want to point out that I picked them to be the wildcard team. I didn't think that they would look that good. Honestly, one, the way that one, one weekend, one weekend and you're over here good. patting yourself. The way, that that looked, the way that that team looked that day, I would not be surprised if they actually pull it out. Because Aaron Rodgers is hurt. He hurt his knee. He, wait, is it just his knee or something? Or is it just, it's just his knee? Just, 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 just his knee. Mm-hmm. Because I, I saw a report that said he might have messed up his shoulder again. I don't know. But all I know is that if, if his knee continues to bother him, that will definitely play out week five, six, seven, eight. That's going to start adding up. And that Bears defense is striking. So that time that they meet again, that Bears defense is gonna, may finish the job. But I still think that the Green Bay Packers will pull it out and win the division. But that team is the walk-off team. My last thing with the Khalil Mack deal. So Gruden, I was watching coverage last night. He was asked about it. Obviously, you're going to be asked about it. And he said, well, you know, Khalil didn't didn't want to be here. He claims they talk. He said, you make a guy – this is my last comment. You make a guy like you that guy want that. to be in, in your in your building. I mean, that's just the bottom line. I, I, when I look at a Mac, and as a Raven fan, I'm not going to say this often. I see Ray a lot. I mean, he's that, he's that good, and he's still so young talent-wise. I mean, I'm not talking about everything else. Talent-wise, he's unbelievable. You make him want to be there. So that may have, you know, rubbed people the wrong way. But I think Gruden-wise, I agree with you. I think the hire is great. They played everybody's Super Bowl pick week one. 
So, I mean, let's not get too, you know, they got beat, but I think they'll be fine. They still have, Derek Carr will not be throwing picks like that every game. I think that was uncharacteristic. They'll be just fine, but you make a guy like that want to be there. Well, hold on a minute. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Okay. The NFL has the worst collective bargaining agreement in all of professional sports. And you can't just look at the player. You have to look at the economics of it. And the economics say that nowhere in the history of the NFL have uh, one franchise had two players in top ten in salary. Uh, currently, uh, Derek Carr is sixth. Khalil Mack's uh, contract would have put him as has put him as the ninth uh, highest paid player. The economics don't allow that to happen. If you look at all the teams that are sexy, Los Angeles Rams, Todd just talked about. Right? They have a, a guy that monopolizes the ball, golf, on a rookie contract. Right? Allows them to go and pay Donald. Okay? They can pay um, the two corners, Peters and, and Tlaib. Yeah. Right? You look at those teams that are built for success, and they have an opportunity to either have a guy that's on a rookie contract that's, that's an exceptional player, and then they add another player that is on a regular contract. Right? But the economics don't have you draft uh, a Mac in the first round, a car in the second round, in the same draft, and now the second round draft pick, you have to pay $25 million season. So you're right. making the point that they knew at some point in time one of the two had to be chosen as the pony boy for the franchise. Well, I'm not saying that, Dan. I'm saying the economics gave them a decision. You can do that mm-hmm. and understand that 25% of your salary is going to be tied up to two guys for a long period of time. Now, if you want to backload that contract or you want to um, uh, put in the bonuses like some teams do, put uh, different, different uh, which, which uh, the Raiders uh, historically with Reggie uh, as the general manager have not um, put a lot of dead money in the contracts. So that's just how they have not done business. So now all of a sudden that changes everything. And they had to know this. It wasn't something that you yeah. arrived at that day. You had to know that. But now, you know, the story is starting to get out a little bit of uh, the agent gave them figures that were less than what he what he got from the, uh, the Bears. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, let's flip it around. Right. If they don't pay him, he's he's in a situation where he's already under contract for this year. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's got to come in because if he doesn't come in, then at some point after 10 games, yeah, uh, Le'Veon Bell is going to find that he's going to not be vested for that year. So he had to come in at 13 at 13 million if you hold true to that number. Yeah. Okay, now let's say you do that, you can still franchise him, right? And you can franchise him again. But you're into him for three years if you want to play that that game. But at the, at the end of the day, he's going to get serious, significant money as the best player potentially at that position, and he's going to warrant where the salary structure uh, says that. Sounds to me like Coach Stewart has talked himself into being okay. Well, (laughs) his his point about the economics is is absolutely right, though, because look at the Chicago Bears. That's why the Bears made the move. Mitchell Trubisky is in year two of his rookie deal. They got three more years to figure out, first off, if he's even the franchise guy. He's even the guy, yep. And that's still up in the air in my mind, but you have him on the cheap. You don't have to pay the astronomical money that a starting quarterback gets in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So you can afford the $22 million that you pay. Carson Wentz. Exactly. He's on a rookie contract. right? The window is huge in, in right. Philadelphia because of that reason. 
And then when he gets paid, all of a sudden, the Eagles are going to have some salary cap issues for a couple years. We've already had that. They hoisted the Lombardi, and it wasn't even him. Yes. <laughs> the yes. window's now, wide open. Now, the advantage that, that uh, the Bears potentially have is that the collective bargaining agreement Which is going to be yeah. up, and it's going to change, and the structure uh, for the players' sake, hopefully it changes. Yeah. I agree. I mean, there's something to be said, like, like you said about how these teams are built. The Rams you talked about, they have solid guys at receivers, not stars. They have Todd Gurley. They have Goff, who can make all the throws. It's not Aaron Rodgers. It's not Brady, but they're fine with that. They paid where they have stars at literally every skill position on defense. It's the blueprint. You you have a guy on a – you know, when they eventually maybe have to pay Goff, that's kind of when you see that close shot a little, that window, you know, and I think they can – it's subjective if they can win a Super Bowl in that window. But like you said, the Bears have Trubisky. They like them. Now they got Khalil Mack. They can sort of build around and see what they can do. It's 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 partly – you know, a team like Green Bay pays Rodgers. Well, they know what they have in Rodgers, and they're building around Rodgers. These other teams, it's not exactly the same situation. Like you said, it's the economics of it. It's the way teams are built now. There's very few franchises that have a defensive player as the face of their franchise. It plays well in Chicago with all the historic linebackers that they've had. It it would play well in Baltimore on the heels of Ray Lewis. All right. But, but there are a lot of franchises as good as he is. They want the sexy guy, which is a quarterback, which is a skill position guy. Uh, And, and again, you have to play all of that in. You've got a team that's leaving in two years to go open up a new, new facility. Um, you're not going to open up that facility without a quarterback. Right. That's going to be what you do. And so, like Carr, not like Carr, they went all in on him. And once they did that, at the rate that they did it, then that that changed the way that they approached uh, and, and, and the Gruden hire, too. Changed right. the way they approached the, the hire. So, let's go. Oh, uh, so, Sin, I'm going to take it back about a week or two ago. Take it back two weeks, maybe three weeks. You're the Raiders GM, or you're in Gruden's shoes. And you have to choose between Carr or Mac. One of those has to go because, as we just said, you can't have two major cali- major salaries on your uh, on your con- major contracts on your salaries. Who are you getting rid of? Now? Are you getting rid of Carr and taking your chances in the draft, or are you taking Mac? Are you getting rid of Mac and then just building up from there? Let's go back to 2016. Okay. Okay. So you go back to 2016. The Raiders are 12 and four. Okay, 26 ranked defense in the league. They give up 375 yards per game average. And Khalil Mack is the defensive player of the year. You're taking Carr every day. Now, maybe you don't take Carr, but it's the quarterback position. They, uh, it, it monopolizes the ball, the quarterback position, right? If you don't have somebody at that position that's solvent, that, that really makes you whole, you, you know, we see it. We, we see that week to week with the quarterback play in this league. You know, we can turn the television on. We know what we're getting out of Brady. We know what we're getting out of Breeze. We know what we're getting out of those type of guys. We were excited about Watson or we're excited about some of the young quarterbacks, right? But you don't know what you have in a quarterback. The Raiders still don't know what they have in a quarterback. And the reason why, you judge a quarterback on one thing, in the playoffs, on the road, behind, in the second half. He hasn't been there. So until he's there, you don't know what he has. That's why Flacco got the money that Flacco got, because Flacco went on the road, was behind, in the playoffs. In a tough place. In a tough place. And, and you know, we know how that 
played out. Yeah, no sense. Right? But, yeah, but, but battle-tested, David. <laughs> battle-tested. Right. But I think, that's, I think that's how you judge a quarterback, in my mind. Okay. Yeah. And so um, until you put in that position, you know, you're a flash in the pan. You know, would you, would you want Jay Cutler? You know, I mean, nice on Hell no. In his defense, did he make it to the playoffs, though? I mean, did he make a Super Bowl? So I'm just saying, and, and because if you're going by that logic, no, I'm t- no, I, I pose the question. Do you want? That's why I, I no, pose the no, no, question. No, but, but you, you got you got the uh, Josh, uh, the, the kid at uh, Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen. Yeah, you got got the big arm. Okay, all of those things. It's great, but until you've got, you know, the, the dancing bears coming at you, and it gets a little bit cold, and you got. 90,000 people, 80,000 people yelling at you. You're in Kansas City or something trying to win a game. You, know, you, don't, you don't know. That's the problem. The, the problem with the, the NFL is we're turning the thing on. I mean, how many of these guys took took more than 15 or 20 snaps in the preseason? You don't know. You don't know. I mean, we still don't know who's good. We're going to find out who's good here in a couple weeks. Think about this. What type of league – would have the Ravens open up on Sunday. The players signed up, signed up for this, and then turn around and play on Thursday, the second of the season. Mm. Right? I mean, it just it defies logic. That at least if you're going to do that and have Thursday games and negotiate it, or you say, well, okay, three weeks in, then we'll, like, we'll do that. Incorporate the bye week on Sunday and then have that Thursday. Right, right, or something. I mean, something that would make some sense. I think that just it's a violent game, and it's it's. I mean, Dan can contest to this that. That Sunday morning doesn't feel so good, you know, and, and, <laughs> and, and you know the collisions all the time that you're on the ground, and, and um, you know it, it, dance evolution is is great. As you, you know? as you get older, your body doesn't move like it right, used to. Right, every and, game you're on the ground. You know, Dan Dan when first came here, he was a guy that that he was going to make plays, you know, and if he got outside the pocket, he's going to make it with his leg or try to buy some time to get make a play on the field. Now he's smart enough. No, he slides, 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 and then he takes what 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 they give it. You know, he'll throw it throw it to me and play for another down, or he'll slide. You know, I mean, guys get get smart when they get old. You know, and so you so don't Cam, except Cam Newton. He, well, he, he he still makes that last that last little. Dan's been taking notes. Leap. Must boy in Seattle. Yes. I mean, <laughs> but see the thing with Dan, I mean, like I I played with I played on the I played with Stevenson, and it's a matter of. Dad thought he could run when he came in. And we told him, you're not fast. And he said, I was faster in my freshman year. No, I was like, Dad, that stop out. lying. No, you weren't. I was faster than I am now. You were not. I was. Oh, maybe, maybe that, but you still weren't fast. I was faster. That's the difference, though. <laughs> you, you were still, were still faster than you. Still getting caught by That's a different story. We're, you're not, we're not going to do this. But right like Coach said, you, as you get older, you, things change. You progress mentally and physically. And to that point about Cam, I would say that Cam does more of that out of necessity than want to. In Cam's fairness, he has not had a good offensive line. No, he's I never, mean he never did. Him, him and Russ have had the worst, worst offensive lines, and still made the Super Bowl. There's a, there's a big difference between a team that knows that they're going to get down there and knows that they're going to have five to seven scoring opportunities, and a team. We better put it in. We better punch it in now because we might not be back down there again. <laughs> There's a big difference. And, and Cam's team, if they score 17 points, that's an offensive outburst. You know, I mean, they have not had the explosive offense 
every year that he's been there that he can say, you know what, I can throw it away because I know sooner or later we're going to punch it in three or four times. He, he just doesn't doesn't have it. They thought they were getting their number one guy in Kelvin Benjamin before he showed up, 85 pounds overweight. <laughs> That's <laughs> no one. Plays, and now he's gone. And now he's in Buffalo with no Buffalo. quarterback. But let's talk about one team in particular that's catching headlines. It's the Steelers. They tied with the Cleveland Browns on Sunday, but everybody wants to know about the guy that isn't in the facility, and that's Le'Veon Bell. After week one, did James Conner do enough to tell you that Pittsburgh will be fine without Le'Veon Bell? I'll tell you who didn't do enough to tell me that they'll be fine without Le'Veon Bell. Big Ben. (laughs) That was bad. That was the worst performance I've seen him play against the Browns in a very long time. And that, for me, was put concerns in my head to wonder where he's at at the stage of his career. He is getting towards the back half. He's, what, I think 34, 35. He's taking a lot of hits. He's a big, bruiser type of quarterback. It'll be interesting to see how he carries on, at least going into these next couple weeks. Will he sustain the type of success he had last year without Le'Veon in the coming weeks? I don't think Le'Veon is showing anytime soon, especially the way James Conner played. He played tremendously for that O-line. He ran the ball hard between the tackles, did what he had to do. I think Big Ben is the one that step up. Even even as a Ravens fan, you guys have heard me talk about Le'Veon Bell. James Conner played well. He can continue to play well. Nobody in football can do what Le'Veon does. His patience to, to find a hole, his ability to catch the ball. He, you know, what you talked about, Dan, like Ben, maybe if you think about it, he's been bailed out by Le'Veon in the past. So Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. It, but to to the point of why we saw that, like, yeah, James, he's got a good back in James Conner, but Le'Veon can cover up everything for a football team because he can do everything when he's on the field. So they're not going to do what – and I wish the Steelers nothing but not success. I hope they're horrendous. <laughs> I despise the Steelers, but – they they will not they will not accomplish what they want to accomplish without Le'Veon. Even if James Conner is a solid back, which I think he is. I think we all think he's he's good, but he's not Le'Veon. No one's Le'Veon. The the five of us are closer to James Conner than James Conner is to Le'Veon. Couldn't agree more. James Conner's a fantastic story. I mean, it's an unbelievable story. I yeah. think I think you know, whatever your your team affiliation is. Uh, I think everybody roots for him. You know the cancer situation, and uh, you know to just have that intestinal fortitude, that stick to itiveness to fight through that. That's impressive, and uh, you know I wish him great success. But here you're, you're talking about a guy that if we know that we're playing the Steelers on Sunday, okay, the five of us are over at Vito's. <laughs> I mean, we know we got to tackling. We know we know we got to do some things. Okay, but now if we got to play against Levin Bell, right, you know, there's some cots in here, and we're spending the night, right? <laughs> right. right. And, 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 and you know, that's just trying to contain the guy. You're talking about before we even get to handing the ball off. You're talking about a guy that caught 85 balls. So in the passing game, you you have to uh, any type of uh, uh, scheme that goes into trying to stop the Steelers. You have to start with Le'Veon Bell because he's so uh, such an intricate performer in the passing game. Uh, you have to count for him on every single snap. Uh, the the most patient runner in the league. Um, so, man, hats off to Connor. He was terrific. You know, one game, which is great. You know, let's see if he can stack set games back to back. Uh, but. Um, there's no comparison in my mind. 
I would agree. I, I'm, I'm going to keep the train going here with that. If you sit here and say, oh, well, James Conner's our guy, you must not really like Le'Veon Bell for some specific reason. Le'Veon Bell is a phenomenal back. James Conner is always he's, – he's a hometown guy, grew up in Erie, west side of – yeah, the western side of PA, which I don't necessarily affiliate with, but yet he's, all, like, he's a hometown guy, but he's not their guy. And if you put him in front of Le'Veon Bell, I don't ever want to talk football with you again in my life because that's just – I, I got two words for you. Play action. Right? I mean, when you talk about Le'Veon Bell, you can do a lot of things. He opens up your whole entire offense. Yes. Yeah. So – and it's, yeah, I mean, not that Antonio Brown isn't the best receiver in the league because he is, and Ben is still a future Hall of Fame quarterback, but those big plays down the field, like you said, it is set up by Le'Veon Bell pounding and pounding away and waiting for his hole. And then, oh, that play action comes, and A.B.'s down the field, Schuster now, all those weapons. He is what makes their offense, and if he continues to sit out, he will be the reason they lose some games. Can you imagine Come playing on. defense? And you're playing in the second level against uh, the Steelers with, with those guys on the outside <laughs> and, and Le'Veon Bell. Not fun. Yeah, yeah. Not <laughs> fun. And all of a sudden you take one step up on play action. So you take one step up and now all of a you're trying to get a hold of baby. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing with Le'Veon Bell is he's got to understand at this point, first off, he can't get the long-term contract he wants now mm-hmm. because it's they missed the deadline. So he's got to understand – that he isn't getting the long-term contract he wants now. He's also got to understand with each passing day, that locker room is not going to welcome him back. I mean, we already saw with the offensive line. They did, which, I mean, I understand partially where they're coming from, but you got to handle it better than they did. You don't do that in the media. That's something you handle person to person, not in front of the camera. So, but he's got to understand with each passing day, he isn't going to be welcome well, back. Now, now, let's not get it twisted, though, now. It's, it's the girlfriend that, that goes away on a, a girl's weekend, and then she texts you or calls you on Sunday night and says, we're staying for an extra three days. You're not real happy about it, but right. guess what? When you see her when she gets off the airplane, everything's forgotten. <laughs> he walks in that exactly. locker, locker room. All right, they're going to block for him like no tomorrow. But he gives you seven catches, 60 yards. <laughs> but but know, here, here, here's, here's the deal. Yards. Here's the deal with it. There's shelf life. Yeah. So now, are you talking about a guy that's going to get another contract after this one? This is it. So he's got, got to he's go got make to, the money. He's, he's got to do everything possible, and he's looking at it and saying, "Hey, wait a minute! Don't dismiss the fact that I've got 85 catches here, and you're treating me as a running back, and yeah. I'm slotted in at a running back's price." Yeah. You know, I mean, so he's fighting for this one contract because it's it. You know, you're you're not interested in Le'Veon Bell at the money that they're going to pay him now in four years. I agree. And I truly believe almost every other team in the National Football League would pe- would succumb, would pay it. But it's the Steelers' pedigree, their history, everything. About, they're not the type to, even if you're Le'Veon Bell, even if you have his skill set, to pay a running back like that and the money he wants. They, they've got one problem, Tom. They've got one problem. They've got a 106-year-old quarterback. Okay? <laughs> so their window is just about shut. Right. right? It, it, it's kind of like me with size 42 pants. That window is really, <laughs> really, I mean, you might get one more pair of pants uh, by, by Thursday. That, that thing could change. It could be a 44 like no tomorrow. All right. So with Ben back there, their chance is, is not only win now, it's this year or never. Mm-hmm. And so that has to factor into that. 
Uh, but you're right, the Rooney's historically have not um, been one to any up. So it'll be interesting. Ben has talked retirement in the last few years. Ben looks like retirement is closer than I think he realized. Like, we, we, we joke about how long can Tom Brady go. Ben Roethlisberger in Sunday. Now, of course, the weather was bad, so you factor that in a little bit. He's been playing that bad weather but, for years. That's not an excuse. Yeah. But my, 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 my like quarterback, that would make him yeah. look 30 again. Yes. But my point, my point is, he looks like Father Time called him this offseason. Yeah. Which is why what Tom Brady is doing is so surprising. That at this age, he's still performing that way. He frees well. himself every offseason and then thaws out every, what is it, about August. That's why he doesn't, that's why he doesn't show up to OTAs because he just cry, what was it, cry line, cry, whatever but, it is. But uh, Tom Brady was never a guy that was an athletic freak. Right. You know, it's not like we look here and say that, man, he's lost a step. Never had a step. Well, just come on. Oh, my God. Right, right. And, and you know, he's able to get the ball out still. Like he's a, a 27. Um, you, know, you have to marvel at that. You know, because we could say the same thing about Peyton Manning because, you know, the knowledge was there and everything. But he, Father Time, um, you know. Father Time really got Peyton. Yeah. <laughs> really did. Yeah. It's working on Eli, too. Yeah. So let's get to some of these Week 2 games because there are some intriguing games to discuss. Week two. Oh, this week. I thought you were, I thought you were recapping. We, made it, we get a rewind? <laughs> I, 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 the Ravens-Bills game I thought was preseason game number six. Felt like The it. Hall of Fame game, you had four <laughs> games, and you had Nathan Peterman. <laughs> I thought it was a preseason game. I, I thought we were recapping. Never mind. Go on. Dan was wondering after he saw the Bills, he said, yeah, Coach Harley. We played Bridgewater. I mean, give me the Bills. <laughs> Lighten up the schedule a little bit. So let's that might have been the worst. Probably got some Bill fans. Uh, Coach Canna Benny is a uh, is a diehard Bills fan. So um, it's def- yeah. definitely a slow Monday for him. <laughs> a slow Monday. It's a slow season. It, 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 it's got to be tough when you realize your entire football season is over at about eight o'clock Sunday night, the first first week. <laughs> the, the the Browns Browns Browns. <laughs> I might get to week four before that happens, but the first week. First half of the first week. Yeah, let's let's be totally honest. That game, like you sat there and looked at the Bills by halftime and said, "Are you serious?" Peterman's is that what they're? That's the thing. Backup quarterbacks in the NFL, Eagles fans here, you guys know how valuable that is. Better than anybody. He's not a backup. He's not. Whatever a, the Bills' quarterback rating was, the same as Tupac. It was, amazing. it was a zero. It was an absolute it was a zero. It was unbelievable. It's the first time in my lifetime I watched the entire football game, and I had the same quarterback rating as a starting NFL quarterback. I felt pretty good about that. And they could have gotten me for a lot less. I would love to meet the guy that actually sat there in a war room and said, or even at the decision-making of who's going to be the starting quarterback, and said, let's start Nathan Peterman because he had a good preseason. Okay, I'm beginning to think Nathan Peterman's a practice hero. God, it looks good in practice, but you put him out on the field and he looks like a Chinese fire drill out there because that throw that he had the one throw to Tony Jefferson, which it actually looked like he was aiming for Tony Jefferson. Forget the receiver, threw it over the receiver's head right to Tony Jefferson. You're just like. And this is starting quarterback in the National Football League. You know, you know what we're talking about bad starting quarterbacks? Let's talk about that quarterback in Dallas because that was atrocious. Let's talk about that giant cowboy game because it's a big game for both those teams. Let's be totally honest. It's, 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 unless, you're the New, unless you're the New Orleans Saints, 
who go 0-2 and still find a way to make the playoffs. Going 0-2 is almost a death sentence to a lot of playoff chances, and especially in the NFC. Who do we like to win? Giants, Cowboys. Give me the Giants. I think that they played the one of the top three defenses in the league on Sunday. I think the Jaguars defense was stifling them any chance we got. But I believe that Saquon will break out this game and play even better than they did in the second half of last week. I think that the Giants will take this one in big D. Couldn't agree more. The Giants, uh, the Cowboys' only chance is, yeah, they do have some pass rushers now to really show that against the Giants, make Eli uncomfortable. My questions, who's stopping Saquon? Who's guarding Odell? I just, I don't see it. Like Dan just said, like, the Jacksonville had an answer for every question. They, you know, except for when Saquon did break out because he still had a good game. You know, they have the big guys. They have Calais Campbell. They have Jalen Ramsey who talks a big game and plays a big game. Yes. Odell did have his catches, but, you know, generally held him. I think the Giants beat the Cowboys. Coach Stewart? I'm not sure there's a better defense in, in football than, than Jacksonville. Um, I like the Giants. Um, I think that you talk about a, a poor man's duel, and they haven't done it enough. But but those two guys, um, uh, the two Bs, I mean, uh, either one of those guys can put a crooked number up, and, and I just think that they're too explosive for the Cowboys. I mean, I, what, is there really even a like, debate? <laughs> like, like this, this Cowboys team has been broken for some, some amount of years in some type of way. This defense has always been broken, in my opinion, since – as long as I can remember, honestly. Um, and we look at the Giants, they have to make weapons on offense. You have Eli, who, when he wants to, will play a good game. You have Saquon, you have Odell. You have what it takes to beat a team with no secondary. Has never had a secondary since maybe? No, I ain't going to go that far. But not, not, not good enough to make a run. So this Cowboys team is pretty much going to be the, for lack of better words, this is trash. So give, give me the Giants. All right. I got the Giants as well. I, when we had the preview show last week, I said that the Cowboys' offensive line was bad. And it really showed Sunday. I mean, our Carolina has some decent guys up front, uh, but not they're, world beaters. They're stout up front. They're yeah. stout up. That's, that's a good front seven. But that offensive line is bad. And so much of what the Dallas Cowboys want to do starts with that offensive line. I mean, because they have Zeke. They have Zeke. And it's funny how we always talk about Zeke had that big year, was it two years ago? And he was like, oh, they're like, oh, well, he's the future. But yet, you don't under, people don't understand how much the offensive line impacts the team. We look at DeMarco Murray. He had an amazing season behind that Dallas offensive line back in the day. Then the Eagles get him, and then he looks like hot dog water. Get rid of him. They get, they get, uh, they get, uh, they get Zeke. Like, okay, well, Zeke's our top back. Look at the, look at the line he had. Now you look at the line they have now. And look what they're doing now. Nothing. It's all about that offensive line, and they have not had a solid offensive line in the last two years. And I think that if you repair the offensive line, that offense gets running again. But until you do that, that offense is nothing. Well, let's also say who is Dak Prescott throwing the football to? I mean, because that was very evident Sunday. There was nobody getting open. Well, he couldn't throw it to the person who was open anyway, so it doesn't matter. There was no two Jason. Secure, two security blankets were gone. Yeah, yeah and it looked like it. Yep. He looked like when he rolled out of the pocket those times, he was lost. Where's 82? Sitting on a 10-yard curl. Where is it? <laughs> Wait, I can't find him. Where's, where's 88? I mean, it's like he's got no one. Yeah, and it's hard to win games that way. Yeah. Especially when you're playing in the NFC East where the Giants are going to be better, as we talked about. We know what the Eagles are, and the Redskins are going to do what the Redskins do. 
they're going to win a couple games and just sit there and go, they shouldn't win. Now I mean, they're they going to win enough to stay in, com- in, stay in the conversation, but not enough to make a difference. Right. So speaking of the new Twitter king, number 88 from Dallas, Des Bryant, Dan, do you think he sounds? He's talk- he talked Redskins. He talked Patriots a little bit in that tweet. I think teams are staying away. I think they are staying away, and I think for good reason. I don't think he's much more than a, a go and a post route runner. I don't think he has much more left in the tank right now, and he's not creating separation like he used to. So what would the Patriots or Washington benefit from bringing him in right now? I think you'd rather just run out, run out there with the guys you've been practicing with since July, keep repping those guys, keep getting them better each week, and I think go with what you have. I agree, and obviously he's doing himself no favors no. by – Doing no. what he's doing on social media, and it's, it's not helping the Absolutely not. Same with Le'Veon Bell. Actually, down. the Patriots just signed Corey Coleman. They did. That should tell you what they think of Des Bryant. Yeah. Corey, Corey, like, Corey. He got cut by the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> but, but again, again, let's talk economics. It, it, do you like Des Bryant at this price versus this price? Des Bryant sees himself as a number one wide receiver, mm-hmm. so when teams are starting to talk to him and talk to his agent, they're saying that we'd love to have you at this price. Right. And you're also going to be a third option. Yeah. Like so he says, I'm not interested in going to the Patriots as a, as a third guy for that salary. Mm-hmm. He blew it right. with the Ravens. Yeah. And that's, so, so you're saying that he's, the team's using this time for him to – it's a humbling time where you're like, okay, we'll take you, but you're going to take a rather pay cut or a downgrade. Well, I, I think it's about leverage. I think it's, it's – it, you know, Dez is going to be real important here in a couple weeks when some wide receivers go down. And somebody says, hey, I need a veteran wide receiver to can, can, uh, uh, do some things in the red zone. I mean, but then you again. Know, but, but to Dan's credit, you know, it's not like he's running away from anybody. No. You know, you're talking, when you talk to Des Bryant right now, you're talking about does he win 50-50 balls? Is he a guy that uh, will compete for balls? Because he's going to be in those situations. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not, he's not going to be in uh, situations where there's separation. He's going to be in uh, situations where they'll jump balls. I mean, but you look at uh, Randy Moss and the talent of his career, the Patriots picked him up for a year and Whoa. took him to Super Bowl. Whoa. Whoa. I, I didn't Whoa. Not, I'm not saying he's on the same level. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying he's on the Whoa. same level. I'm Bro, not Randy Moss is a top three I'm talent. I'm not saying that he's on the same level. I'm just saying a guy that it was tail end of his career that will draw attention to a defense. A team like, like Patriots could use that. They don't need him. Tom, Tom Brady – they don't Tom need Brady yes. didn't need Randy Moss when he had him. Randy Moss is not Des Bryant. Not on the I'm, just, I'm just saying, Tom Brady could resurrect uh, Des Bryant's career. That's all I'm saying. That's a bit of a hot take. Yeah. That's, we're going to let that one simmer. By the way, complete side note, I thought it was interesting the Raiders brought Martavis Bryant back. Today. Yes, this morning. Did. I did yeah. see that. So, I, you know, he comes in, and I thought that was like a really underrated storyline. They cut him. And now they bring him back. It's just interesting because he, he's a talent himself that hasn't been able to stay on the field, but that's way besides the point. So let's get to the big game of week two. The Patriots go to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. We'll get Tony Romo doing that game, so it should be, <laughs> fun. be fun. Dan, who my, do you like? My final thought says I have to. Yeah, know. Dan has to leave, so this is his got, last Got a new pick. job, campus rec, working in the mills. Got, got to go my first night of training. Um. Give me the Jags. We talked about I like the Jags in this. I like their defense. And I think Bortles will do enough this time at home to get this dub against the Patriots and get a get a little revenge from last year's AS Championship. Todd, as Dan, you got also, uh, give me the birds by 15. Love to see it. Love to see it. I don't care about Fitz Magic. I don't care about it. Give me the birds by 15 down, down far this weekend. And when Tampa Bay wins, Dan's going to be one piss sombre next week. 
Great, great last thoughts, Dan. Uh, Dave, as far as this game, I learned my lesson last week. I picked Houston uh, against New England. So essentially, I, I picked against New England. <laughs> I learned my lesson, and I'm taking the Patriots this week. Yes, it's on the road. Yes, they're facing good defense, but I'm going to go ahead and take take the Patriots, take Tom Brady. Let's be honest, betting on Tom Brady, never a bad idea. Dan forgot his laptop, so how long before he realizes that? Probably two days. <laughs> Coach, your pick. You know, I, I like Jacksonville. Um, it, that that game's going to come down to turnovers, and uh, and I think that defense can turn New England over. The one thing that, that doesn't make me emphatic, uh, Jacksonville, is is I don't trust uh, Blake Bortles. So if there's trust there to take care of the ball, to manage that game, uh, I'd feel a lot better about it. But uh, I love their defense. Um, I, I just think that they're going to create some opportunities from that defense. Um, if, if this game is week nine, week ten, I like New England. Early, historically, if you look at New England early in the season, uh, they, they struggle with first games. They got through, through one last week, but, but that's been a struggle for them. Um, those guys know that that it's a long season. Those veterans tend to know when they got to get up. Um, and uh, you know, when you're the Patriots, it's hard to get excited about the second game. I don't care who you're playing in the regular season. Uh, and they're professionals. They're going to be prepared and all that kind of stuff. I like Jacksonville. In the rematch of the uh, AFC Championship game, I mean, and this my was also my AFC Championship game this year. I think that young defense that – I mean, we've also done uh, – what it, the mock drafts where I've had a fortune of picking Jacksonville every year in the first round. And every year I've been right. So I feel as if I've contributed to this defense that is young and striking. <laughs> and I have nothing but faith in this young defense. This defense is fast. They're learning. And Tom Brady's not getting any younger. He's being Tom Brady. But this team is learning the they're learning the ins and outs of the AFC and how to move how to beat Tom Brady how to compete with him. We saw in the AFC Championship game how close it got. I think that team can do it in the, in the regular season and they definitely know how to beat Tom Brady in the playoffs. I like the Patriots for two reasons. One, the injury to Leonard Fournette has me a little worried. Jacksonville's going to keep this a low-scoring game. But the issue is, without Leonard Fournette, I worry about Blake Bortles. Because as we know, Blake Bortles, if you put the ball in his hand, it's kind of hit or miss. He can make the throws, he can make the plays, but then he can throw those interceptions that are just killers. So I have a feeling New England wins it purely because... Without Leonard Fournette at full strength, which I, if I'm the Jaguars, I don't play him week two. You don't need him week two. You need him week three through 16. So I think the Patriots will win because they will do just enough on offense in a real low-scoring game to win the football game. But it won't be by much. Jacksonville will be in it. I just I don't think Blake Bortles makes the play to win the game. Let's not forget, it's easy to talk about Jacksonville defense versus Tom Brady and the New England offense. Patriot defense is no joke this year. They have a really good chance to be a top five to seven defense. 
this year. And Tom Brady, he's had good defenses over the years, but what Tom Brady could do with that defense there, and you know they did just lose Jeremy Hill, but they got they got all their backs there. It's it, it's going to be a good one. That's two of the AFC, probably the two AFC uh, dogs. So let's go to Pittsburgh for an interesting matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs who are led by Patrick Mahomes, who looked really good against the Chargers on Sunday, taking on the Steelers in their home opener after that tie that we've talked about. Todd, who do you like to win and why? Like the Steelers uh, in this game, we obviously don't, I mean, day-to-day, we don't know about Le'Veon Bell. What I saw from Pittsburgh, though, again, very poor weather in a lot of NFL games week one. So obviously if that has a factor, um, I loved what I saw from the Chiefs. Obviously, Tyreek Hill, Mahomes, they're exciting. I don't know if they repeat that um, in week two. Just kind of a feeling I have. I think Ben bounces back in a big way. Sort of ragged on him a little bit. Uh, yeah, he's old, but he's still Ben Roethlisberger. Um, so I do think in a in a close one, Pittsburgh uh, wins. Hmm. Interesting pick, Coach. Not sold on the Steelers' defense. Um, so now that means that Big Ben's got to make plays. That means that Big Ben can't turn the ball over. I'm not convinced that's not going to happen either. Um, now, having said that, do you trust Pat Mahomes? Uh, uh, so if if um, uh, this game, in a lot of ways, is going to come down to the ability to get the ball to the playmaker. If, if Hill uh, can control... Um, the Steelers, um, it puts them in good field uh, um, uh, percentage with uh, uh, the punt returns. Um, they can get some deep balls. That's a problem. Conversely, if AB gets going against that secondary, which is not great. Um, so it, it's really going to come down to those guys. And then, obviously, in football, you follow the money. That's talking about the big uglies up front. If you can, if one of those teams can get pressure on the other quarterback and make him um, uh, normal, there's going to be turnovers. So it's the team that capitalizes on that. I, I tend to like the team that's playing at home in, in those environments. But going back to um, uh, the preseason when the Steelers gave up 51 points, and you can't put a lot of credence in in the preseason, but you've got to look at one-on-one play. And not good. Not good. No, and and so I just I just don't trust the te- uh, Steelers defense. Um, I think Kansas City will find a way to score if they can take care of the ball. I like I like the Chiefs. When I, when I look at this game, I always think you know it's the Steelers. You know they'll pull it out because the Chiefs they're spotty. In the, they're always spotty in the beginning. Well, not always spotty, but they're spotty against teams when it matters. And I don't see Ben Roethlisberger having two bad games in a row. We saw last year how he went over to was it London against the Raven? No, that was no, I'm thinking of something else. But he we got smoked by Jacksonville in London. Thanks for reminding me of that. <laughs> yeah. oh, no, Completely I, I, I got confused with the game that Ben Roethlisberger threw six picks. But that was against I, Jacksonville. I'm pretty yes. sure. But it, I, I thought that was over in London. That was actually over you. here. But it was still it was still a matter of <laughs> after that he didn't have a bad game set. And I'm not saying that this, this is that team that he's gonna have that breakout game where he, he we realize he's not. That same team, he's not that same Ben Roethlisberger that's going to throw the ball away, but I just have more faith in this Chiefs team. I mean, this Chiefs team is younger. Yes, they have a quarterback, which we question. He also has more more weapons that he can access. I mean, we all know what the Steelers, we talked about it earlier. 
you don't have that run game you used to have that people don't fear as much, you can't get it to AB. You can't get it to Juju. So that that's your whole offense shuts it down. I don't – this game is a toss-up for me, but I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I'm going with the Chiefs as well, and a lot of what Coach brought up with the two defenses. Both very questionable. I said – I've said before, I don't trust the Chiefs' defense. I really don't trust the Steelers' defense. And then I go and look at what happened in week one. Chargers have a pretty good offense. Melvin Gordon, Keenan Allen, they got playmakers. And the Chiefs were really able to limit, not stop, but limit some of the Chargers' success, force Phillip Rivers into some mistakes. And then I think about the Steelers. Without Ryan Chazier, we know that it it's not the same sense. It's Yeah, it's not a great defense. And then I consider what happened Sunday that led to the 21-21 tie. You have a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter and still find a way to lose. Now, granted, the Browns have some better weapons on offense this year than last year. But still, to blow a 21-7 lead going into the fourth quarter does not give me any reason to put any sort of confidence in in that Steeler defense. So give me the Chiefs because more likely than not, the Chief defense will play a lot like it did last week and the same with the Steelers. And if that's the case, I look at what the Chiefs did offensively and say, oh, buddy, could be a track meet in Pittsburgh between those two teams. My, my biggest takeaway there, the Chiefs, if they're ever going to feel the loss of Marcus Peters, it's when they face 84. That, that's sort of my biggest takeaway, too, but you, you never know. How he could have a really big day. I think he will. I hope I'm wrong, though. I hope you all are right. <laughs> you know, just pick your poison, too, because uh, they control every level. You know, if it's Kelsey in the middle of the field, um, you know, he's as good as anybody when he's going. Um, you know, Hunt um, is capable of, of certainly running the ball effectively. Um, and then, then Hill. You know, they, they've just got so many places that they can go to, to put pressure on you. So I want to ask this question real fast because I thought about it. Because Todd and I bring up our dislike for the Steelers all the time. Being a Raider fan, what's the team you dislike the most? So, so when you're a Raider fan, uh, it's just unadulterated hatred for everybody. I mean, it, it really <laughs> is. I mean, so you, know, you can't not um, think about the Steelers without – not uh, the tragedy with Franco Harris and all those things. You don't get over that kind of stuff. You go up to New England, the Tom Brady and tough rules. <laughs> you hate them. Um, you, you, everybody in our division, you, you hate those people. So, it, it, you know, Chicago Bears, you hate them. You know, they've got our guy. You know, so <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think being a Raider fan. That's the beauty of being a Raider fan is, is you get up for everybody. You, you you despise everybody. I think the NFL as a whole would be the answer to your question. <laughs> right. I like right. that. Right. So I was just curious as he's talking about the Chiefs. I was like, I wonder if the Chiefs are like the Steelers to us, to the Ravens. I like that. My least I, favorite team is anyone playing the Ravens that week. I, I, I honestly don't understand why uh, people. Uh, have an allegiance to another team other than the Raiders. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, <laughs> you, you know, you're talking about a team that's playing on a, a baseball field with dirt. Um, you're talking about fans that uh, are getting in fights, not during the game. You're talking about prior to the game. They never even see the game. <laughs> you're talking about uh, an owner that has a bowl cut. Uh, <laughs> he's got about as much money in, in a saving account as, as we do. You know, you gotta love those. You gotta love the Raiders. Everything about the Raiders. You gotta love the Ra- the Las Vegas Raiders. We have no home. <laughs> it, it, it's fabulous. It's absolutely fabulous. 
just can't win a game on Sundays. We <laughs> win a few games. You know, Chucky's back, and and so that's a good that's a good story. But but uh, you know, then we got you know, boy, if you like old time football, yeah, we got a average age of sixty four over there. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. So, so you and got Marshawn Lynch and Doug Martin heading up the forty year old backfield. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh yeah. Yeah, most guys on the other side are drinking Gatorade and water. We're drinking, you know, the Geritol and all that other stuff. Having Skittles in between plays. Oh, my. Do you guys see the picture of Marshawn Lynch they put up on the uh, broadcast last night from high school? Yes. Good Lord. Makes you you forget sometimes how much you change after high school. But I just – Correct me. That yeah, picture was the last time he ever got a haircut, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Marshawn is that dude. He's always been that dude. Just does not care. Doesn't yeah. give a you-know-what. Nope. We normally would say that, but we're trying to be a little more professional. So let's talk about the Vikings and the Packers on Sunday. Is this a game for the NFC North? One of the two games. I would say that regardless of the elephant in the room, the elephant wearing number 12 for Green Bay, I think this is a game that the Vikings are going to win. I think that I like the um, acquisition of, of Kirk Cousins. I like Dalvin Cook. Love Dalvin Cook. And that defense that you were talking about, Jacksonville may be the best. Vikings got to be you know, up there as well in that conversation. Um, if it is Rodgers on the field, and I wouldn't put anything past him. He's Superman. He proved it. He's proved it multiple times. I think that the Vikings will figure out how to make him uncomfortable. Let's remember, what was the team that broke his collarbone in, I believe, week seven, eight? You know, not that it's going to affect. Again, I put nothing past Rodgers. I, I like the Vikings this week for the simple fact that they're just – they're the better roster by far, but they just ha- don't have Aaron Rodgers. I think whether Rodgers plays or not, I like the Vikings. If Rodgers doesn't play, I know this seems pretty obvious. I think it's a route. I think if he's he's on the field, he'll make it a game, but Minnesota will pull away with defense and running the football with Cook. Coach? Yeah, I like the Vikings. I've got to, I've got to piggyback on what Todd said. I think um, their roster, uh, if you match them up, and obviously the Cousins-Rogers deal, um, uh, Rogers wins that one. But everywhere else, you, you can make an argument that, that the Vikings are better. Um the one thing that, that I'm not completely sold on is the Vikings offensive line. And uh, uh, Kirk Cousins uh, historically has been a guy that has been uh, careless a couple times during the course of the game. And, uh, and if you do that against an Aaron Rodgers team, you're going to pay for it. You know, if you give a guy of that caliber uh, short field, he's, he's going he's gonna to make you, make you – uh, uh, pay for, for those mistakes. So if, if they can take care of the ball, I, I think that they can run the ball effectively. I, I, I think their offensive line, um, I, I shouldn't say I don't like them. And pass blocking, I, I, I'm concerned there. But uh, but I, I like the Vikings. That defense is outstanding. Give me the Vikings in a statement game. What, what, what bigger stage are the Vikings going to have than in Lambeau Field? And I mean, it's not cold, not not winter. It's not Lambeau in the winter, but it's still it's hard to beat the Packers in Lambeau Field. And yet, this team, who like I said before, this is my pick to win the NFC North. This team is stacked. This defense, we said, is the, one of the top. In my opinion, is maybe one or two. I mean, them and like Todd said with uh, Jacksonville, they're tied. These two teams are. Actually, no, this team. I will say this. 
This team has one thing that the. Um, I sure hope you don't have to go to Philadelphia anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Those people would have a differing opinion. Oh, no, I'm, 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 an Eagles, I'm an Eagles fan. I'm an Eagles fan, and I love our defense. But this Vikings defense, besides the game that they played against us last year, is I I love everything about it. They have, their secondary is what Jacksonville needs to set themselves on another level. And I love their secondary. I love the pass rush they have when it wants to show up. And I think that this is a game that they want to show up and make a statement. So give me the Vikings. I like the Vikings as well. Even if Aaron Rodgers wasn't banged up, I'd still take the Vikings. He's a bad man, but this defense is bad. Because the Packer offensive line might be one of the worst in the NFL. Because they, I mean, Roger, I felt so bad for him. Every play he was getting, picking himself up off the ground until his knee got hurt. And again, a fully conditioned Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith probably aren't letting Aaron Rodgers come back in that football game. Purely because that offensive line would still be under siege. Minnesota's got a great front four. They're going to put pressure on Aaron Rodgers all afternoon. Or Deshaun Kaiser, whoever's back there is going to be running for their life. So it's hard for me to see the Packers really being able to do much against that Viking defense. And the Vikings are going to do enough on offense to win the game. But I agree with Coach. Their offensive line spooks the hell out of me. They do not play well. And this is two years in a row now that they have not been able to sustain any offensive line success. Because they could beat the Eagles. If they didn't, if their offensive line didn't cave in in the first five minutes of the game, because Case Keenum w- was moving the ball in that opening drive, if you he, remember, he had, he had success against what every team like, that plays Philly does. But you have secondary. Our secondary is not as strong as it needs to be, but yeah, it's good enough to get the job done. Case Keenum was moving it on the secondary until they just fell apart, and yeah, until the offensive line couldn't protect them anymore, and it was. Katie Bartador, and it, it can be like that with Kirk Cousins this year. Depending on the defense that he plays, like Khalil Mack, coach's favorite player, is could have a big day when Bears play Vikings because that offensive line is such a big question mark, which is becoming a question mark for everybody. Like Matt Stafford last night watching him against the Jets. He was getting barraged. So offensive line play is not very good. All right. Any other games we want to discuss going into week two? Or want to wrap this one up with final drives? Do we have the one question I would like to pose to to all of you, based on what you saw last year and and then going into week one, or coming, excuse me, coming out of week one, um, what is your surprise team? What what team has got you excited from from last year to this year? Is it the the Jets with Darnold and what they were able to accomplish? Is it. um, another team that has stepped forward? Or are you impressed with what Cleveland was able to do against the Steelers? What, what team really has elevated themselves in your mind? So at, at the risk of you know being being a homer, I'm not going to say the Ravens, although I am excited. I'm excited about the Chargers. I don't know if that's just the, the easy one to go to, but Melvin Gordon, another year. You know, people forget how dominant he was at Wisconsin. I think they're gonna they're gonna know how to. They clearly do know how to use him. Heavy workload every week is what, you know, he, he should be getting. Um, Rivers, for the first time in a while, you know, he throws it a lot. Everybody knows Charger games. You're going to see Rivers with 400 yards so many times. There might be some picks thrown in, but he has weapons for the first time really in a while. Tyrell Williams, Mike Williams, he, he brought his favorite guy, Gates, back. You know, they've combined for how many touchdowns? Hard to count. They, you know, the Chargers have a team. Now, they suffered – 
early, um, you know, off-season injuries to their secondary. That hurts. They have, you know, Bose is a little banged up. I think he'll, he'll be back shortly, might, might be this week. But, um, you know, throwing him in there, you know, their defense, it's not it's not the Jacksonville, it's not the Vikings-Eagles, but um, it's pretty good. And, like, I just like Rivers for a while. He makes all these passes. They throw 50 times a game, but who's he thrown to now? Got the, he's got the, you know, the the Charger back. Um, I can Ladanian Tomlinson. No, not comparing Melvin Gordon, in, but he has a guy who can do it all back there. I like the, the Chargers excite me this year. I've heard some people pick the Super Bowl. I didn't do that, but I do think the Chargers are a playoff team this year, and what we'll, will scare you every week because you got to prepare for multiple facets of their offense. For me, I have two teams. I mean, we've already talked about both of them. Um, the Brown, the Browns for one. I mean, this team has done a 180 as far as potential they actually have on their roster this year. I mean, I don't. I think this game, the first game wasn't first game against Pittsburgh wasn't a game about how bad the Steelers are or how bad Big Ben is. I think it's more of just a testament of this is what Cleveland is capable of if they get the uh, wheels running. I'm not saying they're going to be great. They're going to be a wild card team. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying this team has a lot of potential. And the second team is the Bears. If Bears was last year was the butt of everybody's joke. Now look at them this year. They have weapons on offense. They have weapons on defense. This team is giving um, good teams runs for their money. These are the two teams I'm excited to. And I said it last week. These are the two teams I'm excited to see this year because you see them do a whole 180, and they're not. They're no longer the joke of the league. Mine's the Denver Broncos. I mean, we talked about it last week. With that age-old question, were the Broncos a quarterback away? And I don't want to make the conclusion after week one, but it's starting to look like that. Demarius Thomas looked more like himself. He wasn't dropping passes. Emmanuel Sanders was getting open. Their defense, which we knew was going to be decent, now I think is playing with confidence because they know they're not having to completely stop. They're not having to pitch shutouts. The entire game. They have a little confidence that, hey, we don't have to hold them to 7 to 10 points because our offense can put up 17 and we can win game 17-14, what we weren't able to do last year. So I think the Denver Broncos are exciting because when you look at the AFC West as a whole, it's to me it's open. It's wide open. I, I, the Chargers are good. Can they win the division? Yes, but the Chargers always find a way to get in their own way. The Chiefs, we've already talked about their defense, kind of questionable. I feel like the Broncos, with Case Keenum, a guy that's going to make throws, he isn't going to make, he and Aaron Rodgers, he can't lead you, but he's going to make the throws, he's going to make plays to give you a chance to win. You've got a really good defense. You're going to put pressure on the quarterback with Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller. I like the Denver Broncos very easily would not be surprised at the end of the year, 10 and 6, 11 and 5, and winning that division because of what they have already around them. Coach, who's your surprise? Well, I, I should have asked a question about surprise uh, player and surprise team. Uh, so I'm going to take three teams, but I'm going to talk briefly about it. Okay. Um, I was impressed with the Ravens. Uh, and I was impressed with the Ravens because I thought, uh, and talking about the, the one player from last season to this season or going back to two years, uh, it was Joe Flacco. I thought he moved better. Um, I thought he uh, uh, schematically looked like uh, he knew what he wanted to do with the ball. 
um, the um, the protection was there for him. And and what was impressive about Joe Flacco was a lot of his work was done without a running game. They didn't run it really really well um, against the Bills, and and so he was the one guy. Um, and and the uh, the Ravens were um, the team I felt like. Uh, they turn you over. They're, they're excellent defensively, and they are built for the playoffs. And uh, the reason why I say that is, uh, when it gets a little bit colder, when you have to deal with conditions, uh, they're able to get across the 50-yard line, and they put pressure on you right away because of uh, Tucker, the best field goal kicker in the league. So uh, the Ravens are, are one of my my uh, picks. Um, team I'd like to talk about too. I was really really impressed with them. Um, for similar reasons, was the Redskins. The Redskins, now what Alex Smith is able to do is Alex Smith, people say he's a game manager. What he is is a guy who moves the chains. So he takes what you give him. If uh, he's allowed to get outside the numbers and he can pick up a first down, he moves the chains. And now all of a sudden, when you watch games and watch this as it unfolds, when you watch the Redskins, watch how long a field that his opponent has. They have to have 80-yard drives. They have to have, put together 75-yard drives. That's really hard on an offense. And, and he allows you to do that because he, he takes care of the ball. Um, he um, really is a good field manager. Yeah, and so I, I like what they were able to get the uh, two young kids on the inside from Alabama. Um, um, so I like that. You know, going back to the Ravens, you look at uh, Williams on the interior there. Um, he was injured last year. Um, that's huge for them um, from a defense standpoint. So, you know, I'm always a trench guy. Um, and then the other team that um, uh, lastly that I'd like to mention, um, I, I thought that the Jets um, were were impressive. Uh uh, especially with the pick six early by Donald. You know, there's a rookie quarterback. You've got the jitters, first toss, goes the other direction. And he showed the type of composure uh, that you want from a quarterback. And you know, a, a guy that's early to, to be able to do that uh, was impressive. Lastly, my big super pick would be the Rams. Uh, you look at those two guys now uh, on the corners. They, they eliminate that. The Raiders had a good scheme against them. Uh, get it out quick, use the middle of the field, uh, simply because um, the, the wideouts for the Raiders, Cooper and, and Jordy Nelson, were one-on-one, and uh, the Rams were winning that. Essentially they, non-factors. Yeah, yeah. They, they've got everything to win. They've got Gurley. They've got Sue. They've got uh, uh, Brookins, the other, uh, those three guys uh, can wreck a game plan. Um, so defensively, they're going to get better. And then they've got a, a, a defensive genius, so schematically, you know, they're, they're going to be really good. Offensively, I like McVay. I like what he's doing. I think Goff is uh, a talented guy, but between the years, makes good decisions. They can always put the ball in Gurley's hands. That is a team that um, warrants special attention as it goes towards the Super Bowl. If, if I had to pick a sexy pick right now to play in the Super Bowl, it would be the Rams. I think they've got every element to be good. They even have an elite field goal kicker as well. So, so that team is built um, for uh, for postseason play. So, before we wrap this up, I want to ask a question: Who disappointed you in Week One? We talked about who surprised. Who disappointed you, Todd? That's tough uh, to say. To say the Saints were a disappointment. Now Breeze still put up Drew Breeze numbers. That's a hell of a disappointment. But uh, to I so he wasn't the disappointing one. Uh, maybe 
to pick a unit, how about the Saints defense? Yeah. You know, coming off that you just don't know how how's it going to be, right? Everyone knows the Stephon Diggs play. You know, it's you know it was played probably a thousand times over. We all saw it. And you know, how do they come back? Because we I think we can all agree it's a talented defense. Not up there top five, but it's a talented defense. They have young guys who can make plays. You know, you feel for that young guy because he's a very good player and he made the mistake of his life. He's always gonna remember it. They give up forty eight, I think it was, to Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Buccaneers. It's a head scratcher. Still think the Saints can end up in the playoffs in the Super Bowl. Um, just just a disappointing week if you're a Saints fan thinking we gave up 48. It, is it a hangover? For, you know, it just kind of makes you think um, offensively, they're putting up 40-plus. You can't call that a disappointment. But defensive unit for the Saints that you thought was much improved, young playmakers, huge disappointment. Yeah, uh, so player, James Wilson, where are you? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, he's yeah. suspended, isn't he? James oh. Wilson. Really? Yeah, he's been suspended. You know, well, that's, that's my point. I mean, yeah. it's like, like, hey, this is a guy that you're building your franchise around. Now you can't stay on the field. You know, and, you know and I think these, you know, when he's out there on the field, I think he's going to have a Pip on the back of his jersey, Wally Pip. I mean, he's, he's it's the Lou Gehrig deal. Yeah. If Fitzgerald was turned back the clock and was 15 years younger, but uh, that was real disappointing. Um, uh, and, and I wasn't impressed with the Steelers. Uh, you know, I, I, I was expecting more. I mean, obviously, um, you know, playing without Levy and Bell changes you. Uh, but uh, that game, you're uh, up two scores in the fourth quarter. A veteran team that knows how to win, you got to close that game out. Obviously, they missed the, the bunny, the, the little field goal that, that would have won the game. But, but you've got to win that game. Plain and simple. My disappointment was the Atlanta Falcons. The, you, I mean, you go from – the same issues you had last year. Struggle in the red zone. It's sloppy offense at times. And you go and you basically look like you didn't learn from your mistakes. Just taking my notes. Steve Sarkeesian, it may not be a bad offensive coordinator. He's horrible with the personnel. Why in God's name, when you get inside the 10, are you taking your best player off the field? It, it, it just it defies logic. And it's the sort of thing that you sit there and you look at that game and the Eagles win at 18-12. to 12 And I left after watching that game saying, you know, as good as the – as decent as the Eagles played, the Falcons lost that football game. They lost it more than the Eagles won it. You got down in the red zone four or five times and came away with four field goals. You get one, two touchdowns, you win that football game. I just, I just don't understand why – uh, people get cute. You know, the four of us, if if we are the coordinator of the Falcons, it's a heavy dose of Julio Jones. Exactly. Yep. You know, I mean, I, I don't understand why. Go back to to the Patriots and the and the uh, Seahawks, and, and look at the touchdown that Beast Mode had had the other night, last night. Right? It's Beast Mode, and that's what football is. You put it to your best guy and say, "My guy's better than your guy." And now you have a chance to do it, and then we're going to get cute. I don't understand yeah. that. It, don't, it just defies logic. I, I mean, I, I guess you could say that you know you don't want to do the obvious thing, but if the obvious thing is the right thing. Then do the darn. That's thing. why. That's why you pay these guys and to make those plays. Let I them mean, do I'm, it. I'm agreeing with you, David. That was my disappointing thing because the Falcons last year had us beaten a secondary, 
And it, they just didn't feed Julio. And then when he wanted to feed Julio, right through his hands. This time, the same exact deal where you could have you could have literally just locked my pass. You know, there's one pass that he did catch that they called it incomplete pass. I I was I thought it was a catch, but I'll take the I'll take the incomplete. It was a matter of it was evident that if you pass the hula, he's gonna do what he's gonna do, and you didn't do it, especially when you need to do it. Well, I, I think sport, uh, you know, whether it's basketball or or, or football or baseball, it's about rhythm and timing. And so those guys like Julio Jones, they have to get a rhythm early, and but, so you've got to find a way yeah. to get them involved in the deal early. You know, and so I, I, you look at the Falcons, and they get away from that. Yeah, they they and, and do thought, the exact opposite of what you should. Right. I mean, yeah. and the worst part about that game is they were moving the ball. Yeah, they, like, they, they were start, moving pretty effortlessly down the field against that Eagle defense, but it was like they got inside the twenty and they took their brains out. They just didn't know what to do. And as you said, Coach, as you said, Coach Stewart, you said, you know, get your players in a rhythm. They got Julio in a rhythm, right. and then they, they yeah. shot away, they away from him. Yeah. How did the game start? Julio had like seven or eight catches by halftime. I mean, you're like, all right, they finally figured it out, right? And then they shot away, scored, you know, 12 points, lose the game the exact same way. It's almost – it's the, hard to believe. The thing that I hate is that as an Eagles fan, my thing I always worry about is a team with a quarterback and a receiver. It used to be it used to be Tony Romo and Dez when Dez was actually putting up numbers. It was any any team that is lethal. But when you have a team like Atlanta, it's like okay, well yeah, I know they have Matt Ryan who's capable of doing big things. You have a big name uh, receiver like Julio, but I know they're not going to use Julio when they need to, so I don't have to worry about this anymore. And that's the sad part is I can sit here and say comfortably they're not going to throw to Julio when they're inside the twenty. He's going to be on the bench. He's going to try and run it. And then they're going to try and throw to the tight end who's not Julio, and he's going to just fumble everything, and then there we go. I, I won't have to worry about it. Yeah, and it just seems like, it seems like it's very simple that, that we're going to go in the game and we're going to do A. And when you take A away, uh, then we're going to go to B. Okay, so I think that's the way we all would approach it. And you take the Raiders, for instance, last night. So they said, hey, these two guys, uh, Peters and, and Tlaib, okay, we're going to get it out quick. We're going to work the middle of the field. Okay. Now, second half, Wade Phillips makes an adjustment, puts uh, Peters on on uh, Cook. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, great. So, now, I would think, plan B, now, that's... One of your two receivers Nelson has to Cooper, be over. Cooper, right, right. No. We throw the touch, mm-hmm. uh, the pick six at the end. Who are you going to? You're going to Cook. Who was on him? Peters. It, it, to me, it seems like that, that you had what you wanted. You know, that adjustment was made. He made the adjustment to try to take the middle of the field away with that guy, right. which is great. Now, Cooper or somebody else should have been there, but now all of a sudden they're out of rhythm because they haven't caught a ball in a month of Sundays, you know, during, during the game, and the whole thing uh, dissipated. I, I think if there's a, one takeaway as a Raiders fan, too, I watched the game thinking, Jared Cook, oh, my gosh. He looked like the hardest man to tackle in football, too. And like you said, adjustments were made throughout the game. You know, Cooper and Nelson looked. Obviously, Cooper, I think, a catch for nine yards. Nelson had a, had a few balls. But Jared Cook looked big, strong, hard hard to bring down. But it's kind of like, you know, the Rams had their plan of their two shutdown corners. We're going to shut down their two receivers. They did. And Cook can, can do what he wants. And then in the end, we, we saw how it turned out. Adjustments were made accordingly. But Jared, Jared Cook, he hit himself a game. I think it's time to wrap this one up. Does any? Do you two have a final drive? Because 
Coach Stewart, we since we've done the podcast now, because he was on with the radio show, we do what's called a final drive. So we give you a minute and a half to have any sports take you want. It doesn't even have to be sports. Yeah, anything. anything. Pop culture. And we're not allowed to respond to you. It is your take. You can say it. It can be the hottest take ever or the coolest take ever. We just sit there and let you roll. So Because Dan's last week was, was just outrageous. This was about Drake, wasn't it? Yes, that was outrageous. <laughs> so I don't personally have one. David, Todd, do you? I always have one in the holster, but I, I don't know if I want to use it today, so. Is it, is it a good final drive, or is it? I don't know, but it's pop culture. I don't feel like getting into it because it's just something that I, I try not to talk about. So. <laughs> That's an interesting take. Coach, <laughs> do you have one? or You, you know what? I, I just want to end with uh, with a sport that I love close to my heart, and that's baseball and, and what is going on with the Orioles. I've never seen anything like this. So coming from California and my uh, vision of Oriole baseball, uh, the, the place was always full. Um, you know, you go back and, and some of the, the iconic players in the history of baseball were Orioles. And, and now um, you can stretch out. I got more room um, at Camden Yards than I do in my in my living room. You know, it, it's, it's amazing that uh, um, the drop in attendance uh, – um, and then the, it's hard to figure out what direction they're going and, and who's making those decisions. And um, you, know, you, you pay Chris Davis, but you don't pay Nelson Cruz. Now you've blown the thing up, but you've got Adam Jones and you've got Chris Davis. You know, um, from a psychological standpoint, what difference does it make if you wave a guy hitting 160 and you owe him all the money or you put him in your lineup and he goes off for four or off for five? Um, I, I think that tears down the morale of your team. And, and so I would try to find some way to say, you know, this isn't working. I know we're into a lot of money here, but we've got to open up a position. Maybe that's Trey Mancini that's going to move to first, and then you've got you know, Mullins and do some other things in the outfit. But uh, I'm just aghast at what's going on there, what is the plan there, um, yeah, and, and then guys leave, Gosman leaves, and, and now all of a sudden he's Gosman, <laughs> you, you know, uh, you had a guy that was so good for the community, Nick Marcakis, and, and you don't sign Nick Marcakis, you don't sign Nelson Cruz, um, I, I just, my, my, I guess my thought is, is, what direction is are they going? What are they trying to do? Um, you know, the, I, I think if you're a Orioles fan, you're you're comforted in knowing that they're going to have the number one pick. That's but, that's. But you're not confident. <laughs> but you're not confident that that's going to turn out to be. You know, this is not like basketball. It's not like football when you can make a uh, an easy projection and say this guy projects out to be one of the top X players in the league at, at this juncture in his career you can't say that in baseball you know you just don't know there's so many different variables but um i don't want to belabor the point but i just don't understand it i don't understand um uh, you know this is a flawed team at the start of the season uh, that's even more flawed um but but again guys are getting better when they're traded you know brad brock's back to brad brock now um obviously that you know the to slide him into the ninth inning was psychologically it was tough on on him. He's back to pitching the eighth and, and doing really well. But 
you've, you've got you've got to come out of this season with some answers. I know you have a lot of questions, but you can't keep turning over the page on the exam. You got to answer a couple of them before you flip <laughs> the page. And, and so that's my, that's my thought. Uh, I love baseball. Yeah, you guys well know I'm an Angel fan, but but it, it is disheartening to see a team that um, had a, such an unbelievable fan base and. And uh, to see what it is right now. Still haven't watched the Orioles, by the way, since the trade deadline. <laughs> I've held strong because I, I really didn't like what they did at the trade deadline, and we've talked about it before. There were certain guys I thought you trade, and what's now, going I mean, on with trades? I don't understand trade. You trade Khalil Mack, and <laughs> and you're giving him a second round too. I, I don't understand that. It's just, just it's, I, I mean, I, I so. You get divorced. She got the house. She gets the dog too. You know what I'm saying? You get, Man's best friend right, no more. Right. You gotta get something. You can't lose the house and the dog, right? You gotta get something out of the deal. And I mean, that was part of my bigger issue with the Orioles at the trade deadline was like Manny Machado, once a generation athlete. And you mean to tell me you couldn't get any top prospects? I mean, I get this Diaz kid. I hear all the buzz. He wouldn't. Top five in the Dodger system. He wasn't even top ten in the Dodger system. You get no major league talent back for him. Kevin Gosman, who really could have gotten you a Hall of Prospects or major league talent, you decide to do a salary dump. So there goes that trade value. They're not going to give you jack for that because they're eating $36 million out of a guy that isn't going to pitch for him this year. It's just the, the Orioles just frustrated me. And I was so thankful that the Ravens played well on Sunday. So I didn't even have to consider the Orioles. Todd, this is tough for you because you work for the team. I do. I do. It is, I take uh, back everything I said. <laughs> all right. I was, I was smiling at Dave. The entire time. How many, I, I want to ask you. So you work in tickets. I do. How much complaints have you been getting since the trade deadline? Dave, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> a lot. A lot. All right. Better question. How much does your phone ring to get tickets? Um, you you can plead the we'll, fifth. We'll talk, David. So are you we'll getting talk. ghosted? Plead the fifth. Plead the fifth. Good move. We'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk off air. That's off. That's an off air conversation. All right. Well, I think that, for the future, Dave. For the future. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Anyway. What future? Uh, where, where's future? Wait, wait. Are, are you starting your process? There is no process. I don't want to copy you, you Philly guys now, but you know we'll we'll see. There is no problem. We're trust whatever it is. We're trusting. There you go. (laughs) It's really challenging for a lot of organizations. I think uh, you know the Angels have have challenges with with Mike Trout and contract coming up and what to do with that and and you know you can't blow it up when you have Mike Trout. You know, and so you're kind of in limbo. You're not you're not good enough to play with the big boys. You're not bad enough that you're you're. Um, you know, have an opportunity to get one of the top three talents in the, in, in the draft. Um, and there's so many of those teams that are in limbo and, um, and don't have direction and don't know where they're going. And, and, and other sports too, I'm not just saying baseball, but do you see that in, in football? Do you, do you tear it all the way down to try to be the Astros in baseball? Um, or do you, do you uh, are mediocre, but you're trying to Keep your fan base somewhat excited. Well, those are all questions that the Oriole fans are going to have to wait a while on, and that's the sad part. And that's going to bring us to the end of this podcast. 
A lot of fun. Thank you, Coach, so much for coming on. You have an open invite. Whenever you want to come on the show, you okay, have absolutely. you have Dan and I's number, so just reach out. Yeah, Whatever yeah. week you're free and we're, we're doing a show, you're more than welcome to come on, talk some NFL, talk some college football, talk some basketball, too, once we get into basketball season. But we're going to wrap this one up. We're back next week. We're going to talk college and pro football and whatever else makes headlines between now and then. So, for Coach Stewart, thank you so much. I, I, I just remember my the phone that I had lined up. Don't worry about it. Go ahead. Oh, you always do this. When you get first on a roll on something. First of all, I was the first one to say I'm going to have a final drive, so relax. Anyway, continue. So, for Coach Stewart, for Todd Michaels, of course, for David Miles, CTP, CTP. I'm Dave Stonewell. So long. Enjoy week two of the NFL. Enjoy college football. Stay dry with the hurricane coming, and we'll talk to you all next week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.